Hey, welcome to the Fantastic Comic Fan. I'm excited to bring a new person to interview today. His name is Ant Stokes, and he's starting a Kickstarter campaign, which starts on May 3rd and runs for 30 days. Um, he did um, one issue last year called Decay Number One, which came out in August, and this is for Decay Number Two. Ant, why don't you tell people a little bit about the project and how it got going? Absolutely. So it's always interesting when people say that because uh, the, the conception of the idea started from the very ending of the story. It's going to be a five issue series. So it's a little I can't really reveal. No. I can't reverse engineer it. Yeah. So I will. Here's what I will say is that, um, you, you know, grief and loss and death is a part of the human experience. And so I do think it's good that these kind of stories exist in there like a, a cultural unifier. And also what's interesting is a lot of different cultures, death is not the final, it's not the finale that it is in other cultures, such as um, South American, for instance, or West African. So it, it offered a, a, a cool cultural clash, the idea of like beliefs. It, 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 I like added in, I added in some um, religious uh, imagery motifs and stuff like that. So it just the ending and then all the stuff I could build around that. So you went from backwards to forwards and had everything in the back and just kind of like back built it to the beginning. And yeah, it, it is always amazing how it kind of just fell apart. I'm kind of nervous with my other fell apart, <laughs> came together and I'm nervous for my other projects because yeah, it was like when you have the ending, when you work backwards, it's like, okay, well, I need this here. Boom, boom. It's like when you're doing the opposite, you might have certain plot points that don't go anywhere. You might, you know, you might have trouble, but it's like, all right, I need, and the beauty of it is, you know, when you're doing a comic book, I mean, it's pretty low premise. Um, I think issue two kind of opens things up a little bit, but it's still relatively like grounded, I would say, but you, you, you can do anything you want, you know, like you can add little things here or there that play that that are that are cool in the moment but also play off big later which is really fun about working in comic books you want to tell um the listeners a little bit about the characters that are involved absolutely so we have dk and jess and their brother sister and their parents um died they are probably in their teens they're they're in their late 20s now so they're kind of staying alive for each other and they're trying to keep things together for each other and unfortunately sometimes it doesn't work out and that's what this story is about we talked about this um, before we started recording. Um, you're a black man, and mm -hmm. the main character is a That's black a man. Yeah. And it's nice to see some representation um, outside of your typical white-dominated mm -hmm. um, thing. Was that always a plan to make it a black character? I yes. mean, obviously, yes, but I mean, could you have done something different with a white man instead of a black man? And I think that, that is, is a, a two-part answer. Um, and, and I, I'm very big on representation, um, of all, of all cultures and stuff like that, of course. So I, unless, unless otherwise I'll probably have most of my main characters be black. Um, the story involves voodoo, which is a West African practice. And I don't know if people realize it's been vilified so much by Western media. It's almost like this bad word, like this taboo. And you hear, yes, you hear voodoo and you think, oh my gosh, it's devil worshiping and zombies. And 
Yes. Probably Brother Voodoo didn't help much from Marvel Comics. That you probably don't know Brother Voodoo. I did not. But um, so for me, and I was like, okay, I'm using this as a backdrop. It's in New Orleans, which is predominantly a black city. And I was like, okay, it's a West African practice. It does have zombie stuff, but my thing was I wanted to portray it as like this is a it's usually portrayed as a negative thing. I wanted to portray it as a as a beautiful thing, like something that is like there's a, a image of Jess at her shrine. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Like it's very like bright and, and like open. And it, like I said, I, I just want to do it at, at, at the very worst neutral. And when you get it, the physical copy doesn't have the word voodoo in it, like the final copy. So I was very conscious of like, I'm taking something that's a West African ideal. I want to represent it well. Um, and why did, kinda, you choose, why did you choose voodoo over something else? I mean, you could choose any religion, but I mean, you chose the voodoo. That's not true necessarily. I couldn't do that with Catholicism. Um, w- w- the, the thing about voodoo is that when you're when you're making a story, you want to use a lot of shorthand. At least I do because I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of resources, so I don't have a lot of pages, so etc. Gotcha. And so people understand. The people understand voodoo like that, and and. Uh, so, so they understand why that is and why that works. The reason I said it in New Orleans was because um, I want to make a movie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a form, I'm a still a screenwriter, but that was my main thing. It's still my main passion, frankly. Um, and uh, New Orleans has a tax cre- tax credit. Last I checked, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll set it in New Orleans as a new location. Voodoo. It's like, see, how I said if just it just like came together no that you're right actually i can see how it all just kind of dropped together and um kind of gelled you do not have a comic book background most of the people that are in comic books have read comic books all their lives you said you're a manga fan so how did you actually jump into hey i want to do a comic book so i would i would say i'm appreciative of like storytelling in general i would say um i i had a i had a phase where i used to read a lot of novels um uh, what type of novels? Anything. anything. Truthfully, truthfully, anything. I mean, mo- not not like it, Harry Potter. Like there was some stuff they would give us at school with mysteries. Uh, R. L. Stein. Um, uh, what was it? A series of unfortunate events. Uh, Agatha Christie. I just read a lot. Like I've always been a reader, and I've I've just been a consumer of media my entire life. The only media I haven't consumed that much is plays, and it is something that I would like to sink my teeth into at some point. Plays or musicals? Plays. I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> I have no interest in musicals. Oh, so, that's okay. Um, and yeah, so I had a manga phase. I had a novel phase. I had a video game phase, a, a movie. I don't think a movie thing is a phase, but that my favorite thing is movies. And so... I had, I feel like I said, I feel like I can, I can go to a medium and say, all right, here's what works. Here's what doesn't, here's what you have to adjust. And I feel like I can work in any medium. It would take a while, but I feel like I could write a play. It would take a long time of having to do some research, but I feel like I could do it. So screenwriting, making movies is expensive to make even, um, to make even something, a five minute movie, a, a short that looks good takes tens of thousands of dollars, you know? Yes. and equipment at least and it was just so much easier to make a comic book and and uh like i did i do understand the visual arts from reading manga and i i did i read some comic books like i read scott pilgrim i read Watchmen, i've read some stuff from the lunar brothers so i i do read some comics but what i think the i would say the i don't want to say 
I would say the edge I have is that I have a real emphasis on dialogue and when to not use dialogue as well. So I think it goes, I think it goes two ways. And then I don't, I can recognize like, okay, these are tropes that are good. Sure. And there are some tropes that are like, all right, these are not, these aren't that great. Like I don't have to use these tropes. So I feel like the comic can, can kind of work. My, my thing was to make something that's good for, if you enjoy storytelling, you can like decay, you know, that was a big point of emphasis. There's you know, no- when I was going through the second issue as a preview, you're right. I, I see how you actually really structured dialogue. You just don't use dialogue, just use dialogue. You don't use silence, pan- silent panels, just to have silent panels. It actually all goes together very nicely and very smoothly. Mm-hmm. That was a big um, point of emphasis. You have a collaborator, the artist, Mark Oliver. And you just, again, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about Mark Oliver. I think it's a kind of a unique working environment. I, I met him through Reddit, r slash Collabs. Been working with him for two years, and he speaks Portuguese. I do not. Um, I speak English. He does not. So we speak two different languages, and we communicate through a Google Translator. Um, th- th- and it's, uh, it is a, I can't act like it doesn't make the process harder. I, and I, I think one benefit is that um, I have to make things simpler. So that this person in different language can understand what I'm saying, like what I'm trying to get across. I actually think your collaboration between a person that doesn't speak really kind of speaks highly of the project itself. I mean, mm-hmm. because you just can't sit there like you and I, hey, let's just talk it out. I mean, yeah. he really, you know, he really has to, you know, visualize, make it according to your dream. And you actually have to have a, a really good script and foundation vision on your end for mm-hmm. him to actually, you know, complete it on his end. Because the pages are exceptional. He does a great job of artwork between, you know, what you write as dialogue and the silent scenes and the expression of people. It's a great collaboration. I, I know people would be surprised that like, he's English and he's Portuguese and they don't connect. I, yeah. Just the connection between you two is really strong. So you said this is five issues. How did the first Kickstarter campaign go? Oh, fan. well, it, there's two answers. There's two answers. Like from from a, a layman's perspective, like if I if I saw, um, I've been studying Kickstarter for a year. I'm actually I'm my plan is to become like a marketing consultant as like my day job. Like that would be my dream job. And then I have my comic books, which I frankly never expect to to make a living off of because I want to keep reinvesting in, in all these other things. But I studied Kickstarter for like a year. Like I went to Kickstarter school. And if you had told me that I made I made thirty seven hundred on a two thousand dollar goal, and of course with Kickstarter you have the the stated goal and then you have like the real goal. So I hit my real goal, and then very suddenly realized um, there's a lot more expenses. Like there's printing expenses, the processing fees, Kickstarter fees. Th- there's there's variant like there's so it was so expensive to make that first issue. Um. And I can tell you, I shaved off a thousand dollars from issue one to two because I was better about the process. I had the logo made already. Um, I didn't have to, the, the mar- I got the margins messed up. So I had to pay somebody to fix the margins. So it, it was, it, 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 in reality, it was great. And it was great that I went through that because now I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do now to make enough money to at least cover my expenses unlike the first one so a lot of people do kickstarter campaigns and 
planning to launch Kickstarter campaign, especially for like comic related things, what advice would you give to somebody that's starting off on a Kickstarter? To, you know, you just said all your pitfalls and your thing. What's some advice for some of them people out there that might be considering doing the same thing? I actually made a Kickstarter action plan. Um, uh, so I could, I could read some of that stuff off and then I, I can also, you can also link it. I'll see the link because I do think people should know this stuff. And essentially my thing was get the pre-launch page up as soon as possible. And you don't have to have a full campaign. You can have a skeleton campaign offer like five rewards, digital, physical, digital, and physical sign copy, right? Those are four right there that pretty much every campaign should have, right? Maybe throw in a variant copy, those five rewards, throw it up. And then you have a skeleton, get it, get it approved by Kickstarter. So Kickstarter says, okay, they might send you some feedback, but hey, they'll they'll let you launch it. So you don't launch, and you take that pre-launch link and you put in your social media, you you throw it around, you send it to people, and you get them to sign up. And then what happens is when you launch, they get an email during the start of the campaign and during the last two days of the campaign. So, um, let's say I had I had a hundred pre-launch followers, I had a hundred people that were aware of my campaign before I hit launch. So. That goes to my second, and I think bigger macro advice would be do all your work before the campaign starts. Like my goal, I'm doing this podcast early, but it will air during the, the Kickstarter window. Yes. I, I probably recorded like 12 podcasts that will air at different times. Um, I'm recording all throughout. I'm doing Instagram lives. Or doing, but I'm, I'm setting all this up before the Kickstarter starts. My my goal would be to drop off the face of the earth for 30 days and still get funded. That That's what I'm going for. So that's, those are the two things. Get a pre-launch page up and do your work before the campaign because you're not going to have the energy. Like I'm the most, I, I have incredible conviction, but it's just too much. Like it's just, you're, you're getting pulled in 15 different directions, you know, during your campaign. So get the work done ahead of time. I can tell you that pre-planning is essential because running a podcast, you know, just trying to get things lined up on my end for me to do my thing. You're right. And like, I'm at times burning the candle at both ends and mm -hmm. trying to, you know, do the regular podcast, do a Kickstarter, um, give a fair representation to upcoming voices. Cause it's just, it's um, comicsology. I don't know if, you, if you've done anything with comicsology, um, they had a really great website that was awesome. And then about three months ago, they integrated into Amazon because Amazon owns uh, it. And they trashed the website. It mm -hmm. is so hard to zero in on independent publishers. Um, and that made me, I was like, because before you could look at a calendar and they say, okay, here's what's coming out this week. Everybody, independence, this, this, here's mm -hmm. what's coming out next. That's completely gone from what I could see. There's no schedule, no wow. nothing. So it's really hard to find independence on, you know, that type of platforms that maybe want to redouble my efforts is like, let's cover more. The comics in general are growing. You know, the virus didn't kill the industry off. I'm in my 50s and I've heard my entire life that comics are going to end. And I actually yeah. believe we're in a golden age of comic books right now, just as it was back in the 30s and the 40s. There's so much diversity, so much stuff out there. So many great comics like yours. I really enjoyed Decay. Can I say something yeah. real quick to yes. that point? That's the case for pretty much every medium is that because there's the same thing about if you want to talk about music, because, you know, uh, like certain genres have the authentic authenticity is a huge thing. Like I think metal and rap 
a huge thing is like authenticity mm-hmm. and people want to say like oh it's gone down it's like the the reality is that the floor is raised so um let's say Brian K Vaughn is still doing his thing right yes. but now you have an Anthony Stokes you have these other creators that are coming into the to the and and, and it's the same with movies they're, they're these things that we used to have used to go to like the movies coming out on Netflix now and Amazon Prime now are better than the movies that were coming up on Redbox 10 years ago you're right I will I will carry that as a golden age to extend to other mediums like you're right music and film and tv series TV shows oh my goodness I mean the, the amount of quality out there is just mm-hmm. amazing um so you said this was a five issue series correct mm-hmm. um without revealing too much um could you do a sequel oh absolutely absolutely actually I'm working on a a sequel I'll, I'll play coy but um essentially the idea uh, I like the motif and the idea of like all right bringing somebody back from the dead and what that means so I have two other series in mind um one I've written like six issues of already and that's going to be a long one Oops. that's that's going to be a long one if I have my way and then a second one that I'm I'm keeping in mind that I'm, I may or may not do but the the, the other one is yes the answer is yes um I, I like a beginning middle and end you know and that, again that's something I can take away from not being the biggest comic fan is when you're reading a story and there's no end in sight you'd better make something that is brilliant. You need to make something that is super engaging because let's say you have a low point. Like if I'm watching a, a 10 episode TV series, let's say it's, let's, let's say six, six episodes are good. Three of them are amazing. And one's like kind of meh. Knowing that it's only 10 episodes is going to get me through that man stage. You know, if you're going to give me a, a 50 issue epic you know, you better make it worth my while. Gotcha. Um, so looking forward, you got five issues. We're in the issue two. Why should people, I mean, why, what would, why should people continue the journey through all five issues? Why would you, I mean, why stick with you? Because the story's going to get better. Um, the art is getting better. This is my second comic book ever. This is, this is the second thing I've ever published. You know, that's impressive because I really liked it. You know, again, it goes back to this. We need more diversity in the comic books, mm-hmm. not just from racial diversity, but new people. You don't have a comic book background. And that's amazing that it's like, wow, this guy actually knows what the heck he's doing. But the page layout, the story, the structure. And when you told me that I don't read comic books, I'm like, really? <clears throat> I mean, it's manga. very high. Yeah, manga is. But still, this doesn't have much of a manga, you know, feel to it. Mm-hmm. It has a You're real right. comic book quality feel. It's not something that comes off as chintzy or cheap or mm-hmm. mediocre. Or there are quality. a lot of like manga or anime inspired moments, like expressions, which I really loved. Like, uh, you read it, you too? Yes. There's a yes. moment where somebody gets stabbed in the neck. If you look at the image, they're like, it's like so funny. Like, it's so hilarious. And- Actually, I did think that. I'm like, well, that's kind of... <clears throat> You know, and there's there's really not a lot of blood or gore or violence in the comic book. It's more character driven and mm-hmm. background, you know, background stuff to, you know, to build everything up. The violence needs the the violence need, and that that was one thing that and and you you said this is an all ages show, and I think that's fantastic. This is like, this is definitely mature, but it's not. 
it's not a grindhouse. It's not exploitative. Like the 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 violence needs to feel real and have real consequences. Your you violence know, like, is real and it doesn't seem to be over the top. Mm-hmm. It's like a PG thirteen comic book, in my opinion. Not mm-hmm. even that. I mean, it could actually be a PG because your violence in there isn't like, oh, let's let's slip the throat. So let's have the violence just because for a movie. This would be rated R. But for a comic book, yeah, you're right. Like, it is on the tamer side with the gore. I mean, so far, we've only really seen blood from three people. You know, it's yeah. in a revenge thriller. It's not, I mean, it's not. No, that's not bad. And you don't use bad. any, like, harsh language. I mean, it's... There's two moments. But for the yeah, for the more, most part, it's a character-driven thing. Um, mm-hmm. You don't... You're not using a lot of nothing wrong with swear words. But you're not using a lot of swear words and the violence to push the story. You're actually letting the characters tell the story instead of adding all the extra bells and whistles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's there's only two curse words, which is which was something I was so happy about. And no, no, no. There's three curse words in the in the first two issues, and then I think there's probably going to be one, probably like one each. But yeah, it, it will. To me, so like I said, I'm a big rap fan. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know about you, but Method Man from Wu Tang Clan, he said that he wrote he ghostwrote a, a rap for somebody, and they told him no cursing, and he felt as he had been writing for a long time with no curses, and he felt like wow, when I took that crutch out, I, my writing just got so much better. It was more clever, and you see, I come from movie background, you see James Gunn. And Quentin Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin, they do, especially Quentin Tarantino, uses a lot of expletives. And there's nothing wrong with that because in some cases that does work, you know. It does work, but it's also kind of, it is a crutch though. Like it is like a, it, let me have it, it, to, it to an extent, it is a crutch. And I'm like, all right, if I can avoid the pitfalls of those guys, maybe, maybe I've never had the talent of like an Aaron Sorkin or Quentin Tarantino. But like maybe I can work harder and try to be more clever and kind of just, you know, get, get in their shadow. You know, I looked at the I looked at the, the swear words in the issue. I'm like, well, actually, they fit in there. They're not mm-hmm. just oh, absolutely. You know, they fit in there. I just with me, it's like, oh, you got to put a quota of swear words in there. You got to you know. exactly a quota, right? It's like it's it's situations where you literally would like you couldn't say anything else like that. And in my editor um sk he's great and he kind of added in dialogue and he had the character jess say the s word and i was like she wouldn't say that like she she would not say that she would only say that there's four i'm thinking about all right there's four total <laughs> but i think it's good that you i can count on one hand but it's, it's like it is very like it is important in the context you know what i'm saying like so no that 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 was something i was really proud about and i'm glad people when when you're putting in things that are really subtle a lot of people miss them or, hey, we don't have we don't have the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation like like me and you were having. So it's like when people pick up on the small details, it's like so gratifying. It's like, oh, my God, people care about subtlety. People care about storytelling. Like it, it feels nice. Yeah, you know, you're right. There's a lot of nice little um, subtle character points that speaks volumes. Like there's a good when I'm looking at the front, you know, um, where she's knocking on the door at the very beginning and he comes there and they hug and, and I'm like, that's where the swear words people are. No. Mm-hmm. That um, makes sense. But it's so, you know, they're actually hugging on this like, wow, this seems so or- organic and natural. Nothing in this, that's, 
where I look for. Your, your comic seems to be very organic and nothing seems to be forced. That's the way. Or I'm trying to do in a magic formula or I'm mm -hmm. trying to, you know, hit all the bells and whistles. No, you don't do any of that in this. And it's that's why story. I found it very intriguing. Go on. It's a human story. And, and when you have all this crazy stuff going on, which is something I've learned from a couple things. I learned it from Judd Apatow movies, um, which because Superbad was one of my favorite movies. Superbad, I think, inspired me to really start writing. Um, you, you, and, and Atlanta as well. Um, Attack on Titan as well. There's, there's a lot going on, but they don't forget to have human moments. You know, it, it, no matter what's going on, you have to like put yourself in a character's shoes, and it can be small moments. Like exactly um, one moment I liked the exchange there, there's and, and also what i loved about this issue was that every single scene in issue two had a lead into the next scene so um she says hey you smell bad he gets in the shower um the next scene it's like i'll meet you at the morgue goes to the morgue the next scene like it was so it was so it felt great and every conversation needs to lend lead into the next one it flowed you know? very nicely i mean it just flowed so evenly there wasn't no Discombobulated, no disconnect. Like I said, I was very impressed with it. Um, and is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, I am curious. I am curious if you figured out how the parents died because that was something that a lot of people did not get. No, not yet. I try not to um, um, delve too much into the mysteries because I stink at solving those types of things. Mm -hmm. And if I try to delve too far into it, a lot of times it's like, I want to go along for the ride mm -hmm. and not question, you know, um, what's, what's actually, you know, they stated it. What? I mean, it's, uh, it was stated. So um, they're in, they're in front of the graves with their parents. I, I saw that. And then um, he, he, DK says all this from some water. And then Jess says, yeah, but it was a lot of water. And of course, they're in New Orleans, so um, that's a reference to Hurricane Katrina. See, yeah, okay. I'm I'm dense sometimes. It really takes a lot to, you know, you have to knock me over the head. So a lot me of times, I am I am very dense. But no, I you should be you should be very proud of this project. Thank you, you. And your, uh, Mark Oliver. It's really a unique product project. Um, the Kickstarter campaign will be in the show notes and on the website. And I hope you come on again to promote a future project. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Let me open this.